Well, folks, I have a confession to make. I have something which my flesh doesn't like to admit, but I've known it for decades. Something I must tell you which could shake your confidence in me, and it's this. I haven't arrived yet. God is still working on me. I need spiritual growth. I'm convinced that I need to go on to maturity. Maybe you'll join me in that confession. That's the focus of our passage this morning as we continue in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 3. The last time we studied verses 10 and 11, and that focus was on justification, becoming a child of God, and sanctification, uh, becoming more like Christ. Today, our focus flows from that in maturing or growing in our, our Christian lives. And to pick up the context, let's start in verse 10, and I'll just give a word about the difficulty of verse 11, um, but verses 10 through 16, and we're going to concentrate on verses 12 through 16 today. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, as to that which we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. You'll remember the difficulty of interpreting and explaining verse 11. It expresses Paul's desire, and I trust all of our desire, to continue to grow in Christ to the point of death. And by doing so, there will be an outrising from the dead. And it really, uh, it has that Greek uh, particle, really, ek, um, which is away from. It's listed twice in that verse. And really, there's an uncertainty about, is this referencing his physical death, that he is going to uh, have an outrising from among those who have physically died, or is he referencing he's going to be raptured, for those of us who believe the Word of God teaches that, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation 4, 1, uh, that he's going to be raptured from among, he's going to be uh, taken out from among those who remain, who are spiritually dead, and the answer very well could be Yes. He very well could have been referencing both. Well, either way, his only uncertainty was whether he was going to live, be alive at the catching away of the bride, or whether he will have physically died uh, and then resurrected at that time. But it, verses 12 through 16 flows from that, and clearly this passage is speaking about spiritual 
maturity. So if you're taking notes, a couple of primary points. First of all, there are not any completely mature believers. I'm convinced that's what verses 12 through 14 tells us. People do not arrive at complete, perfect sanctification in this life. And yet it says, I hadn't already attained, I haven't already been perfect. What is that uh, talking about? Well, it's not talking about sinless perfection. It's talking about completion. That is, uh, I haven't arrived yet at the point uh, of being complete in my growth because I'm still here. I'm still walking through uh, this world. My feet are still getting dusty. Uh, I'm still getting some junk from the world that hangs on me. And sometimes I will actually imbibe of that. Paul said that he had not yet finished that maturation process, he was still maturing. He hadn't arrived at a state of full maturity. He still needed to grow. John MacArthur wrote on this subject, some in Philippi might have mistakenly assumed that having gained those marvelous benefits, the benefits of salvation, uh, the benefits of God in Christ in you, uh, the Spirit of God dwelling within you, you having the Word of God, having all these marvelous benefits, they may have mistaken by thinking that Paul had reached spiritual perfection. The Judaizers, that is the legalists, may also have taught uh, the Philippians that spiritual perfection was attainable through being circumcised, keeping the law, etc. There were also heretics, forerunners of the second century Gnostics, who taught that spiritual perfection awaited those who attained a certain level of knowledge. To counter such false ideas, to counter all of this, Paul quickly added this passage which is a forceful disclaimer of spiritual perfection, of course, unless one is hopelessly arrogant or hopelessly, ir- uh, 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 hopelessly arrogant or uh, ignorant, hopelessly ignorant, you would also conclude you have not spiritually arrived, not to the point uh, of completion. Does anyone join me? Uh, and, I, and I do so genuinely by saying, I need to grow in the Lord. Anyone else? Folks, uh, I've been saved 46 and a half years, been in the ministry pushing four decades, and sometimes I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm amazed, but other times I'm alarmed that in some ways it seems like I'm still stumbling like I did in the first year I was saved. God help me. I need this passage. I need to go on to maturity more and more and more. At times I'm embarrassed by how much more I need to grow in selflessness. I can be selfish. My guess is you might have seen that in your own life. I can be less than humble. Maybe you've contended about this or that just to get your way, just to show that you're right. Maybe you have not always walked in holiness. It seems that I should be further down the road in maturity in the, in the length of time I've been walking with the Lord. But yet, Scripture continues to emphasize this. In this passage, as well as in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, having therefore these promises, what promises? That we're sons and daughters of God, that he dwells within us, we're not our own. Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. That is uh, the, the junk that hooks onto you as you walk through this life. Perfecting or completing holiness in the fear of God. In other words, go on to maturity. 
You have not arrived. Now, I can't speak for you. You may, you may think, I doubt it, but there may be a person here who thinks, well, I think I've come pretty long. I think I'm doing just fine. I tell you, having read this passage, I am more and more convicted and convinced I need a lot more of him in me and a lot less of me in me. Amen? Now, of course, you are, you are redeemed. Positionally, you're righteous. You're declared righteous. Your position in Christ. But practically, the playing out of it, I don't always behave as righteous as I am. Do you follow that? I don't always behave as righteous. I don't always recollect that I've been forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. Sometimes uh, I'll like, I'll have a tendency to dabble in it. Just getting honest, just like the apostle Paul did. I haven't arrived, he said. Not as though I had completed my maturation process. I have not. And my, what a convicting and compelling word this is. Now notice in verse 12, uh, at the end of verse 12, Paul said that he had desired to apprehend that for which he was apprehended. The word means to lay hold of only. It has an intensifying prefix. To really lay hold of and hold on to for dear life. I haven't yet arrived at that, which is the very same thing which happened to me. We say, what is it talking about? Christ apprehended me. He captured me. He woke me up from my deadness, long my imprisoned spirit lay, uh, fast bound in sin in nature's night. For a long time, but thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. All of a sudden, God woke me up. And he saved me. Uh, He captured me to the degree that uh, 1 Peter 1, 5 says, I'm kept, I'm held onto by the power of God. He has apprehended me. And even though he has done that, I have not yet fully, in my practical walk, apprehended his holiness, his humility, his selflessness. Do you walk like Jesus walked in perfection, in completion? No. Why? Why don't you? Because you're arrogant and you're selfish, and you're petty, and you're a spoiled brat, just like I can be. And I can be that at any given time and at any given day, not bragging here at all. And this text urges me, compels me to move on. In fact, it's the will of God that I do. For Romans 8, 29 tells me, whom he, uh, he foreknew in eternity past, he predestined for what purpose? So that I might look like Jesus. You see, he apprehended me with that goal in mind. But I've not yet apprehended that goal in a complete sense. That's the teaching of verse 12. And God help me that I would more and more, that I would go on to maturity in Christ. Verse 13 says that Paul had not yet completely come to that point. Now notice in verse 13, it alludes to the danger of living in the past. Notice in verse 13, if you would, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I've not arrived yet, but this one thing I do, I am doing this, 
I'm going to forget about those things which are behind and I'm going to keep on pressing. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep on toward maturity. What's he saying there? Well, imagine, uh, Paul used uh, physical illustrations a lot, especially in the realm of athletics uh, with Corinth and, and with the, 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 the Olympian games and the Corinthian games. And, and if you imagine an Olympic runner and that runner uh, is running the mile and for whatever reason, he goes out of the blocks and stumbles and all of the other opponents are ahead of that runner. And yard by yard, quarter mile by quarter mile, He's passing this one and passing that one and passing that one. And uh, on the last 220 stretch, the last leg of this mile run, that, and, uh, and he's nose to nose with, with one opponent. If that runner stops, turns around and looks at the field of, of enemy runners that he had passed, what's going to happen to that race? He's losing. You follow? I'm not going to look back on what has been accomplished or what has, where I've been a failure. I'm going to press toward the mark. Folks, write this down. Seal this in your heart. The past is the past. Don't let the past be a hitching post. Will you wrap the, the bridle of, of the horse's bride, where you wrap it around the bar and you, you're stationary, you can't budge. Don't let it be a hitching post. Let it be a guidepost. Let it, to, let it direct you in the way that you should or shouldn't go. Whether they're victories or whether they're defeats, the past is the past. Don't look back. Keep pressing toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul was admonishing us to do. And notice in verse 14, it said, pressing toward the mark. Theologian uh, Gerald Hawthorne wrote about this. He says, forget those uh, things done, uh, that is, the persecution of the church, what Paul did in verse 6, and so on, whose memory could paralyze one with guilt and despair. Forget, too, those attainments so uh, far achieved as a Christian, the recollection of which might cause me uh, one to put life into neutral and say, I have arrived. Forget in such a way that the past, good or bad, will have no negative bearing on one's present spiritual growth or conduct. Now, I've had some victories in the Christian life in 46 years, as I ought to have. I've delivered some well-thought-out, well-prepared, and well-delivered messages a few times. I've shared the Lord. People have gotten saved. There have been some victories along the way, as was the case with the Apostle Paul. And there have been a lot of defeats, some of which you know about, some of which you don't. But if I make my past, good or bad, success or defeat, if, I, if that becomes a hitching post, I'm not going any further. I'm, not, I'm certain if it's a hitching post, I'm not pressing toward the mark. And Paul said the very same thing. He had a lot of regrets in life and he had a lot of victories, but it was where am I today with the Lord as I press aggressively pursue the prize, which by the way, if you'll notice in verse 14, I press toward the mark. Do you all have goal in there? You have goal? Any other word? Mark? Goal? What do you have? Goal. 
It's the word, if I, either that word or press is, it's the word for scope. Uh, imagine a rifle, a, a deer hunting rifle. Some of you all go, uh, go deer hunting about this time of the year. Uh, more power to you. We need to thin out uh, Bambi's herd a little bit. Um, so shoot all the deer that you can. Uh, I, go, I, I, I go hunting once every 40 years whether I need to or not. So I'm serious. So if you do that, great. Wonderful. Be responsible. But you have a scope. And you're looking through it. You're, you're, you're bringing the, uh, uh, the scope, you're bringing the deer into focus. And that's the very word here. As you press toward the mark. Well, what mark is that? The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that high calling? Well, it certainly must be his glory, setting my eyes on him. Warren Wiersbe wrote, each believer is on the track. Each has a special lane in which to run. And each has a goal to achieve. If we reach the goal the way God has planned, then we receive a reward. If we fail, we lose the reward, not our citizenship though. And so if you plan on taking home the prize buck, the uh, eight-pointed buck that's in your backyard, you have to scope in and, uh, and, and really uh, uh, intend to achieve the prize, that, that, that high calling of being the greatest deer hunter uh, in, in your own mind. consistent with 1 Corinthians 9, isn't it? Verses 24 through 27. Know you not, certainly you know, that they who run in a race run all. Every one of them are running. All believers are in the race, is what it's saying. But one receives the prize. What? Only one will receive the prize? Well, what's the likelihood of me, me uh, being in a race with millions and millions of other believers with you all and I'm going to be the one who receives the prize. Doesn't seem like that's very likely. Continue on. And every man that strives, that presses for the mark, presses for the mastery, is temperate or self-controlled in all things. Now they, the Olympic runners, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, I know where I'm going, so fight I, not as one who beats the air. I'm not just shadow boxing. I know where I'm going to land my punches. I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That is, I would be rendered uh, disqualified. But here's the key, folks. How many people, how many believers are in the race? All. Every child of God is in the race. But how many are going to receive the prize? How many? Hmm. Will you be that one? Here's the interpretation, I'm convinced. The reason why that first stagnated me when I saw one receive the prize is because I thought, well, I'm not as faithful as this one or that one or the other thing. I misunderstood thinking I was racing against you. I'm not racing against you. You're not racing against me. My race is against the enemy, the flesh, the world, the devil. And so, we're all in a race. Either you're going to win the prize, or the flesh, the world, and the devil is going to win their prize. 
you're not going to beat me out of the prize and I'm not going to beat you out of the prize because we don't race against each other. We're not one another's competition, amen? We are each one in our own spiritual maturity race. And if I yield to the flesh of the world and the devil, if I'm not only in the world but I'm of the world, then I'm going to be disqualified for realizing the glory of God in that moment. Y'all following this? Some of you are looking a little perplexed. It's simply saying we're in a race and either you're going to press toward the mark and mature moment by moment, day by day, or or day by day, or you're not. Uh, It's not going to be both ways. Alec Motyer wrote, this is a far cry from the teaching on sanctification, which calls believers to let go and let God. In other words, just be passive. There was not much letting go about Paul, but rather an example of the truth that the regenerate believer must appropriate the sanctifying grace of God by actively obeying him. And so it truly is trusting and obeying. It truly is yielding and submitting it's not just, okay, God, do whatever with me that you want. No, no, no. Think about, think about that. I press toward the mark. That's, that's aggressiveness. So fight I. That's aggressiveness. I labored uh, in prayer. The word there is agonizomai. It's agony. I'm agonizing in prayer for you. There is some sacrifice involved in going on to maturity. That's the, the terminology. That's the Um, the theology of that. So, no one has arrived there yet. Uh, I think we've concluded. Paul certainly had concluded. But the good news is there are many maturing believers. There certainly are. And I would argue that you are very likely in that camp with me or else you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't care. You wouldn't give a rip. You'd be out doing your own thing, not gathered with God's people seeking to know him more and more and to grow in him. So even though no one has arrived in this life, there are certainly many who are in a state of maturation, a state of uh, development and not stagnation. And I would imagine that most all of you are very much like that. Verse 15, some see Paul as being sarcastic. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, like you all. I don't, I don't see that. It doesn't, doesn't go with the tenor or the flow at all of this. It's, a, uh, it's an adjective, and it's, saying, it's describing those who are in the maturing process. It very well could be written, uh, let us, therefore, those of us who are maturing, those of us who are in a maturation process, let us go on uh, to continue in that. Paul was encouraging those who are growing in Christ to keep pressing. In other words, don't rest because as soon as you rest, as soon as you let down your guard, the enemy is moving in, right? <clears throat> Guys, did we ever get uh, the web page up and running yet? Is that still down? I, I, I am so... Jordan, I am so thrilled that our webpage has probably been hacked uh, this weekend. I tried to get on yesterday, and uh, I'm think- of course, I'm blaming me. I'm thinking, Jordan, I'm doing something wrong. 
I can't bring up the web page, church webpage at all, and no matter what I tried to do. Uh, and of course, I immediately say, duh, I got to get one of my grandsons to help me uh, know how to get online here. Uh, and so I texted him and says, nope, I can't get on either. I said, oh, good. <laughs> it's not just me. Uh, it's a computer expert. You say, why are you happy about that? Someone is wanting to mess with our message in the world, in the flesh, and the devil. We're to rejoice when persecuted for righteousness' sake. And so, not only am I not irritated and angry and upset and wringing my hands, I'm actually thinking, the enemy doesn't want the message of the gospel going out to the whole world. And now we have that capability to do that. Uh, and so, you cut off the lifeline, as it were. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of all of that. And I don't know. I'm speculating that that's the case. Um, 20 years ago, something like that probably would have frustrated the fool out of me and irritated the fool out of me. Maybe that's growth. I hope it is. Maybe that is understanding the way of the world and the way of the enemy uh, and that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So we are the people, if you will, not to be a self-mutual admiration society, but we are here, we are serious about the word, we're serious about souls, we're serious about missions, uh, we're serious about worship because we are maturing in him to God be the glory. It takes God to know God, amen? And it takes God to grow in him. Like Paul, Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever, amen. Now, verse 16, and we're done, says, nevertheless, as to that which we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, mind the same thing. In other words, let's keep maturing in our spiritual walk. And that begs the question, how am I to do that? How do I mature? Very quickly, write as fast as you can because it'll be here and gone in one minute. How do I actually mature? By rigorously, uh, intentionally, tenaciously, passionately, Observe spiritual disciplines. What are spiritual disciplines? Well, how about these? Worship. That is, I am going to give myself intentionally, I'm going to press in, I'm going to lean in to the discipline of worship, of prayer, of praise, of exalting the Lord in my heart. Worship doesn't happen to me. I'm not zapped with worship. Worship ascends from me and it's lifted heavenward. And in doing that, I'm setting my affection on things above. And so the discipline of worship, if that is part of my life and it's genuine, anyone can go through the motions. It must be genuine from a hard attitude. I'm in the path of maturation. The discipline of the word. That is, I'm going to meditate on. I'm going to mem uh, memorize. I'm going to actually pour over the text of Scripture through any number of means. Reading it, 
on an actual paper, listening to it by, by way of recording, um, sharing a, a devotional thought with a family or friend, just always giving myself to the Word of God, doing what Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of Christ richly dwell in your hearts. And that coupled with worship, I'm in the stream of maturity, as that is the case in my life. How about this? The discipline of work. That is, I'm going to be involved in some kind of Christian ministry, some type of service, some kind of sacrifice. Uh, I'm going to go to the mission field. I'm going to uh, pay the missionary to go to the field who is called. Uh, I'm going to serve in Awana. I'm going to work in a road to Bethlehem. I'm going to be a choir member. I'm going to be on, on a committee. I'm going to serve. I'm going to work until Jesus comes. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And then, and this is not an exhaustive list. I'm going to witness, I'm going to testify through edification, building you up, through evangelism, sharing the gospel with the lost. Now, if I'm serious about these, and it's not a rigid duty, but it's a delightful discipline from my heart. If I am serious with a heart attitude of worship, of study of God's word, of ministry, of evangelism, of edifying others, I'm in the stream of maturing in Christ. I'll touch more lives. I'll be built up by others. Honor and glory will be brought to the Lord. Lives will be changed because I know I have not yet arrived, but I am in the process of being presented one day wholly unblameable, irreprovable in his sight. Trust that's your heart attitude as well. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word. What a, a, what a convicting as well as a invigorating text this is. How for the apostle Paul to say, to openly confess before the world and generations. He hadn't apprehended that for which he was apprehended by you. He hadn't arrived at full conformity to Christ. And yet that was his heart's desire. And so many of us here, it's our heart's desire. Lord, convict of sin, of pettiness, of pride, of rebellion, of indifference. Convict of anything which is standing in the way of your lordship. For that becomes an idol. And uh, you won't share your glory with another. And so, Lord, would you bring conviction, uh, even now, uh, in, a, in a comfortable place, in the quietness of this moment, even now, convicting of where uh, we've not yielded, where areas, strongholds of saying, no, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving this up. I'm not going there. I'm not forgiving that person. I'm not investing in missions. Whatever it may, Spirit of God, you know. And so would you bring conviction on me, on each one of your children in this place, and watching by way of internet, and that there would be a brand new, a fresh commitment to go on to maturity, to walk in worship, be saturated in Scripture, 
to serve you with gusto from the heart, to build up one another and see folks saved, to be involved in missions, to care for souls. Lord, would you do a fresh new work? The Apostle Paul desired it. He exhorted us to press on to the prize, for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ. It's the glory of God in and through our lives. Would you bring that to pass even now?